Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap. Today, I'm joined by Martin Anderson, who is the co-founder and CEO at Lemon Contact Centers. And uh, we, I say this pretty much every week, but we, I wish I'd hit record uh, about 10 minutes ago. It would have been a sports-based um, podcast, but we're, we're having a great chat. But Martin, thank you very much for, for coming on. Thank you for having me. And it, to start with, is it just lemon or do you add something on to the end? Well, we try to use lemon. So, you know, we're aiming to be like Apple and Nike. So we'll go with lemon. But Lemon Contact Centre is kind of a new branding that we've gone with, mainly just to help, you know, people know what we do um, outside of kind of who are already following us. So lemon's fine. I'll let you go with that. <laughs> it's a, I really like, I'm not just saying this, I like the, the choice of name. I think it's, it's definitely one you're not going to forget. Yeah. Where did it come from? You know, everyone asks that, and I'm glad you started with that. Um, I always kind of think, and I've told the story a million times, that you, every opportunity meeting you have, you know, just before the walk out the door, they go, like, one more thing, Columbo style, <laughs> and ask, and ask us, uh, that kind of question. And um, I always say, you know, I wish I had kind of a, a bigger, more expansive answer to it, really, but, but, I, but I don't. Um, it was a Sunday morning, laid in bed um, back in 2003, uh, and myself and Leslie, who is a co-founder of the company and also a partner of the business, um, we're just discussing, you know, we, we'd already planned, you know, we wanted to do a business. We'll go into that a bit more in a second, but um, what we're going to call it, what, what can the name be? And we'll just spinning names off. I think at one point it was going to be called Sergeant Peppers with a bit of a Beatles spin on it. So I um, don't know if that would have landed or maybe got sued, who knows. Um, <laughs> but my background is, is, is telecoms, um, essentially. So... Um, back then, or back in the day, I worked for Comcast, became uh, MTL, Virgin as it is now, etc. So I kind of had the thought of um, Orange, um, Blackberry, Apple, kind of all these kind of companies that existed or still do exist at the moment in time. And there just seemed to be kind of a gap for an existing fruit. Um, so we picked up Lemon um, and just kind of off the top of our heads, we were thinking of different brand things, you know, Zest, No Sour Business. We sign off our emails as best regards. There's lots of like fun things we can do. And the colours were vibrant as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if um, people have been to our office, everything's kind of yellow, bright yellow. You can't mistake our brand. So, and it's been brilliant for us, you know, because as you said, it's a brand and a name that people don't forget. And the amount of referrals, people move on over time, directors in businesses, different, different managers leaving and coming and going. People often do take us. Um, with them as well because multiple companies sometimes they're the best salespeople so and the brand is rememberable it's easy to find so it's been a brilliant marketing tool and it was free yeah and that I guess that straight away it's one of those things where you just think it makes sense it's definitely one that um you can't you can't forget and like you say you can do so much um, with it. I definitely think it works better than Sergeant Pepper <laughs> well I always hate, I hate um, sometimes brands that use acronyms as well that's really big because you know it, you know Lemon Business Solutions could be LBS but, but for me they're just forgettable and, and mm. I'm, I'm really focused I don't have any marketing background or anything like that um, but I'm really focused on the brand the strength of the brand and um, how we sort of communicate that our tone of voice what our values are um all those kind of really core things which really back in the day when you start the business you know i was it's 2003 i was what 22 23 i was the same age we had no idea what we're doing 
absolutely not not a, not a Scoobies. Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember when I was um, in my teens, I think, I suppose, when kind of the first idea wanting to to sort of own a business or run a business kind of started. I remember reading some of the books back then, kind of before entrepreneurialism became a thing, you know, Richard Branson's mm. Losing My Virginity and Duncan Bannatine's book, I think I read back then as well. And possibly Richard Farley, I think, if I'm going back. Um, I remember just being laid there. And the thing that inspired me more than anything was probably reading Richard Branson's book. And when he makes an offer for Necker Island and he doesn't get it because it's too low and then he gets it later on when they come in to sort of financial difficulty. I remember thinking, the hell you can buy an island that's a, like you can buy an island Martin. That's a myth. Like, that's, I, I want to buy an island i wonder like i just found that like fascinating and oh, yeah. it wasn't about you know financial pounds or anything i just found that amazing that you could create and do these things and that kind of set me on a journey of just knowing that i wanted to start a business um really back then i remember being at um school and then at doing my A-levels and I was all right at business studies um I just found it quite engaging I wasn't particularly focused at school and um, I wasn't the brightest um but I knew probably from earlier on that that I would do all right I kind of could course through with not a lot of effort and do fairly well um without sort of peaking too high or anything so but business studies I found quite kind of naturally easy to do so then when I was doing my A-levels um I thought yeah I just want to run a business I remember um, being in a class, and this sounds a little bit awful, so but I'm going to say anyway, it's kind of important at the time. <laughs> I remember being sat there in a class in business studies with a teacher used to love, and my peers sat around me, and a couple of them, a bit of idiots really, I didn't, didn't already think much of them, and it was getting to the point in there, wasn't it, we were kind of talking about universities we're going to, and I was kind of in the same boat. And uh, I remember thinking, you know what, if they're going to university, I'm not going, because I'm not following whatever their career path is because I actually think I can do better than them. That sounds a bit arrogant, but I no, it doesn't. I love it. I, I just feel I've got I can apply this a bit better. So I'm not going to university. And I kind of made my mind up then and I didn't. Um, and I kind of left kind of college, uh, sorry, yeah, levels, um, sixth form and thought, yeah, I just want to, I just want to be business. I want to start a business, but I have absolutely no idea what, how, and who with. Yeah, and that's great though, because I think. You know, one of the great things about the the podcast is um, people will look at you now and go, successful business owner, you've been doing it a long time, um, well-known in the industry, and here I am maybe listening, and I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do. And just to hear you say, that was that was you, not a Scooby-Doo, what you were going to do. No, not even the industry, right? You didn't even know... No. <laughs> Where did the pieces start to come together then from there? Well, I've never worked in a contact centre or a call centre. Um, I have absolutely zero experience in them from the ground. So what happened is when I left, um, I left my levels early, actually, which I probably shouldn't have done. Uh, I still did them, but, but I kind of just went back to do them. And I got an apprenticeship. I knew I wasn't going to uni now. Um, and my dad found it for me. It was with um, a company called Comcast. And it was basically as a... I think the class is a telecommunications technician engineer. So um, at the time, Comcast, which is a huge American um, business, had bought the T-side franchise for essentially cable uh, mm. back then. So I started there and it was just, it was it was a beautiful time. The people there seemed old to me, but probably all in the 20s uh, <laughs> back then, probably early 30s, you know, they were ancient to me at the time. <laughs> and they were committed. They loved it. They were 
uh, I mean, everyone you speak to work back in that team talks about it like a golden era and almost here we are. It was just a, it was a fantastic moment. And it was full of money as well that Comcast was throwing money. Um, this is sort of doc, this is mid nineties. Okay. So this is like yeah. on boom time. So mm. um, I started there as an apprenticeship, did okay again, fine. I, I, I got the job, uh, me and two colleagues got a job over quite a few applicants, um, worked my way, sort of brilliant apprenticeship, worked with the company. I did sort of planning, install, cable pulling. Um, I worked in all different engineering departments, service maintenance, all that kind of thing, and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. But then, but I landed at the end in what they call their, uh, there was an NCC, which is um, the network control room. So basically the job in there was you monitored lots of screens um, that sort of displayed alarms. And then when there was a fault, you called an engineer and kind of worked with him remotely to fix whatever the fault would be. Um, and it was a 24 seven um, um, control center. Um, and I kind of got into there as an apprenticeship. And then and the brilliant thing that happened for me anywhere is a lot of the as I put it, all the guys back then started moving on because they were going on and earning fabulous sums of money back then and even now, to be fair, um, working in the sort of telecoms and, and this, this, this dot-com sector. So they were off doing their thing around the world and left a gap. So I quite quickly progressed into, into an engineer within that department, which was fantastic. Um, and it kind of got me into working in that kind of shift 24-7 cycle, answering the calls and, and working remotely. Um, and that's when I met Leslie, uh, about the same kind of time, um, Leslie, who's the co-founder, had a similar kind of uh, mindset that she wanted to be a business owner, owner as mm. well. Um, she'd worked for um, a Scandinavian company and we did nurse call alarms, but they also applied 24-7 coverage. So when we got together, at first we just met a mutual friend and we're talking at parties, talking about wanting to start a business, and that was that. And then we met again six months later or so. Um, and got together uh, and then you know we decided yeah we want to do this um, we both want to start a business we, we want to do it. What, what are we going to do I have no idea but why don't we just take what we know which is kind of working 24-7 answering calls for people dispatching people trying to fix stuff and see if we can make a fist of a business out, out of that um, and that was kind of the principle of how how Lemon was born back then but I think back you know like all great sort of entrepreneur stories. And we started in a garage. Um, <laughs> it has to be. Yeah, it has to be. I like to think that's an apple and you know, everyone, you know, Nike started and these kind of things. And it was a it was a garage and it was a bubble garage and like a little fight thing. It was it was Leslie's um Leslie's mum's um place. And we had no heating, no hot water. Um we just got uh, we didn't even have a PC back in you know, back at the day. We had a mobile phone <clears throat> with a fax machine and a pen and paper and a kettle. Um, <laughs> to a dog, and we went twenty four seven on day one. What and did you? What were you actually? What were you actually doing? So, yeah, did, had you left your job? To... Well, no, not back then. So what happened is um, Leslie was able to sort of man essentially the phones, and I still work shifts um, wow. uh, in the control room. So what I did is I worked shift there and came work shifts at Lemon uh, and gave Leslie some time off. But I was thinking about bank holiday weekend actually. So remember with Leslie working sort of a Thursday to a Monday straight, um, like the hours we used to do. But it wasn't, like most people say, it wasn't particularly work because we wanted to do this, no. right? It was our yeah, passion. Yeah. We were loving it. Yeah. We didn't, it wasn't much of a early teens going out and drinking and doing whatever, but, but we were both we, 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 with each other. We were committed. So yeah. that's, that's what we did. And those first kind of initial contracts were for local um, 
engineering companies essentially with glazers and things like that so what we kind of said to them is you know you divert your phones to us out of hours um we'll answer the call from say the housing association log the details we'll call your operative engineer pass the details to them they'll go and do the job and then we'll send you a report in the morning um and let me let you know what we've what we've actually done uh, by fax uh, back in the day and um, that was that was the bare bones of, of the business and to be fair it's still you know the bare bones of the business as it is today um did, did you go out and win i just want to get an idea of that kind of you go right this is what we're going to do now we need to get some clients right some some <laughs> customers <laughs> and that, did you go out just sort of pitching and like we're a new company yeah, I think, you know what, I think the most marketing did back then was probably in Yellow Pages, um, <laughs> yeah. like physically, Yellow Pages, you remember, um, yeah. possibly Yell.com, I think, as well, um, back at the time, and we just stuck a couple of adverts in there and kind of waited for the phone to ring, uh, to ring. Um, but we were, we got a couple of quick opportunities back at the beginning, we had a, a local engineering company um, who were headquartered, we're still a client today, uh, headquartered locally to us. Um, and they had sort of six regional offices and they basically um, were working with um, was it Aircall, maybe an old Vodafone kind of service back then. Uh, and they were looking to move um, and a friend of a friend put in contact with them and we went and had a chat and just said, look, we can answer these outlaws calls. We can do essentially the same thing, answer the call, log the details, dispatch the engineer, report to you in the morning. By this time, I managed to buy 40 quid PC second hand. So I had a bit of a database going and email up and running. So um I remember they came um, to the office, the garage, the residential, <laughs> the garage in the, you know, next to the house and over in a flat. And they came and thinking, oh my God, like, how are we going to win us like a business like this? Um, and had all, we had all our friends around. So our friends were all sat in, what, you know, on the four seats or six seats we had there. And we had them ringing each other off the phone. <laughs> the, the, the graphs going, which meant nothing. We had all, we had, I remember having a whiteboard and having like Coke. Coca-Cola written on there and <laughs> random engineering and just try to give this presentation that we were yeah. I guess we yeah. always do this, right? But yeah. much bigger than we were. Um, so they came. And then we also back in the day, and then pick up the phone and I got a call um from a senior manager at the Corp group um back then. Same thing. He came over, and for some reason, um, they all took a chance on us. Um I don't really know why. Maybe they just felt, you know, we were People. crazy enough to, to do it. But they took a chance on us and we started winning those contracts. And that kind of set us off on the um, on the route of working in engineering, the engineering technical sector, which helps out with my background anyway, obviously. And also the care sector as well, which which are the pillars of our, our business today. And that's the, they're the things that, that ultimately, when I look back, things are passionate about, a customer mm. service. Mm. And for me, so engineering. And this care sector, and they're the things that we, we, we still focus on, we do focus on, we will continue to focus on because it's, it's, it's the things that we love. Um, yeah, and it, it kind of spiraled on from there. I love it. There's so much I love about that, um, that story. What, if you were talking to people doing business studies now, um, and I think it's great actually, they do it, they seem to do it a lot younger, um, yeah. both, uh, well, our uh, daughter who's doing GCSEs at the moment. Does business studies, and her younger, the our youngest is thinking about doing the same thing. What would you say to a, a class of people doing business studies about that that uh, that really early period and um, 
it's obviously it's if it's something you're passionate about and you're committed to does that help you deal with not knowing stuff and also making mistakes yeah i think the dynamics of um both Leslie and our personalities kind of helped us back then because Leslie's very much the dynamo. Um, she's going to do stuff and get stuff done. Uh, and I'm much more the procrastinator, the thinker, like the spreadsheet guy. Uh, and I wouldn't, you know, if it was me and my own, I, I wouldn't have done it. I was sat looking at the spreadsheet forever. Um, I've probably <laughs> just gone off and, um, and done something else. And, and Leslie, likewise, is very much a doable, but I kind of had that structure. So between us, we kind of, we came together quite well, um, I think. In those certainly in absolute in those early days, where you, where you need that, you need your mm. kind of, you need your warriors to go out there and just do stuff. I think also we had a with youth, you had a naive kind of a naivety that we didn't know what we didn't know, so we just kind of thought we could do it anyway because we didn't realize <laughs> there's such big knowledge gaps which you kind of pick up um, later on. And I kind of always we have the saying that um, you know using my kids as well. Um, that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I think back then it was just hard, hard work. Um, and just, you know, putting in hours in, putting the effort in, realizing you're not going to get a, a big win. We weren't focused on a big win anyway. We just wanted to want a business. So the money was kind of a bit irrelevant back then. We just, I wanted to own a business, have an employee, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, and I think putting your head down and committing to it, because um, it is hard. I mean, mm. the, there are times, you know, back in the day, I remember not, you know, not enough money to cover wage bills and stuff like that. And, you know, funny enough, I've reading books recently, I'm reading um, <clears throat> Grounding Out, which is a McDonald's story. Brilliant film as well. And um, even Shoe Dog, uh, which is a night story. Mm. And even when them guys were massive, you know, they were struggling to cover wage, you know, they're living on the floor, struggling to cover wage bills. So I don't feel so bad now looking back. Um, but the one thing kind of in hindsight, I probably learned would know now to go back and sort of tell myself, well, I stood in business studies. Would be um, would be to have a plan, um, more of a plan because I think a dream's one thing, and hard work can get you so far. But there is a point when it comes where you actually need um, a, a plan to make that kind of dream come to reality, or to take it to the next stage and have kind of resilience and ability to scale and grow. And I think if I'd probably studied a bit harder back in the day, maybe if I'd gone to university, I could have understood this. Um, but actually. There's also an element of actually just being out there and working on the front line and doing all that stuff. It builds that resilience up to actually battle through things as well uh, and push forward. And do and can a plan be as simple as uh, is it time scaled? So you'd say, right, here's where we are now. In six months, we want to be. I want to have three more people on the phones. Or what? What was it that you did? Or, because that just happened organically, did it? Or without the without a yeah, back in the day it just happened organically. I had absolutely no idea. I just wanted an employee and thought, oh, it'd be cool. We have two people, three <laughs> people. Like, well, I totally um totally made it back then. And it just kind of went on and on and on, really. And you know, we you kind of create your own look, I think. Again, you know, we 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 had some lucky birds with contracts, and but I think if you going back to a football analogy, you know, if you constantly get in the box, you're gonna score goals, and that's kind of yeah. how I always always looked at it and uh, and it also you know when things go wrong you lose contracts because because you do it's, it's the nature of, of, of business um that kind of absolute blind naivety and confidence that something will turn up just keep working and something will turn up and you know what that, they always did we had situations mm -hmm. we lost huge contract and they got a phone call the next day we won a contract the same size 
it was just it was just bonkers um but I think it was just you get you get a momentum I suppose the big thing um and you start getting good people around you and they're working hard there's more good people joining just grows and grows but back in the day yeah going to your question no particular structure didn't have a, a market line I only employed a market manager last year I'm <laughs> a salesperson that's how ridiculous it was we just went and went and went and kind of did it ourselves um but then you do get to the point where you can understand business a bit more um, you've had the kind of frontline experience you can start to put things in place we go right if I need to grow this much I need I've got an average value order of this I need this amount of customers I need that amount of customers I need that amount of leads and I know for that amount of leads I need 26 visits to my website and it becomes very spreadsheet almost led in a way uh, and that's kind of becomes the obviously business plan but that should never take away from you know the passion and drive um, of the business and we've done a lot of work particularly over the last kind of 18 months to make sure that those values that we um, had at the beginning, which we never wrote down or anything because they were just us, but mm. the values we had at the beginning, which we've now sort of managed to um, articulate and communicate and now sort of led and, 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 and um, influenced the team. You know, we have values workshops with a lot of time with them, understanding what it is to work for our company, who we are, what we do for good or bad. Um, what integrity means to us as a business. Um, and if you want to work with us, for us, then, you know, you've got to be on the same page. Not that we're saying that we're better or right or wrong. It's just, this is who we are. And mm -hmm. I'm a, a huge, huge believer um, in integrity. Um, you know, our values, you know, things like gratitude, empathy, team, passion, quality, trust. These are, these are, these are not just, these are absolutely not just words. They're absolutely mm -hmm. everything to us. Um, Kind of a, we have another phrase that we use and it's, you know, how we do anything is how we do everything and I absolutely mean that the stuff you do and no one's there no one sees no one's ever going to know about that is just as important as the stuff that goes out because your integrity is everything and uh, I think you know from a sales perspective people buy from people don't they it's all it's pure 100% yeah and I think people people kind of get that from you when you, you know when you talk to them as you can probably tell I can also talk a lot I'm very passionate about about what we do. I love it. I love it. I said to my son actually, um, when I was at uni, because I was my mum and dad um, were were brilliant, but we did. I was a bit of an anomaly, I think, if certainly talking to people I was at uni with that I had to work um, to pay my way at, at uni. So mm. I had jobs as um, working in a factory, a bin man, cleaner, every. Mm every break at uni I was doing something like that and I said to my son I was the best cleaner that they had mm -hmm. I was I was the best person on the factory line I was the best bin man because if you're going to do and I said to him same sort of thing if you're going to do anything just throw yourself into it it makes time go quicker you enjoy it more and and generally good things um good things happen I really I can absolutely see why people bought from you um worked with you and what point um because i want to ask about this this passion and this drive to set something up mm. did it did you find it hard you know you said surround yourself with good people mm. if you've got good people around you that are really they've got great initiative and inventive was it hard to delegate hard to kind of go i'm going to give some of my dream to this person and let them kind of does it then take it in a different direction? Yeah, it, it does. And yes, it is. Um, I think for a long time, 
I think it comes with a bit of maturity as well, I suppose, because you know, when we're in our 20s and 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 early 30s, I, I guess um it's a very hard thing to delegate, um, especially because we just we we did everything right, right from day one. Yeah, I cleaned the toilets, swept the floor, um, answered the phones. You know, there's not a job, change light bulbs, not a job I haven't done um in, in the office, so to speak. And I think as people come in, it's hard to trust that they will do as good a job as you would do or you perceive you do, shall I say. Um, I think what what opens your mind is when you realize that actually, I think there's a saying or, or something that I've read where if you can delegate a job and they can do it 80% to your standard or, or to what you do, then that's a job you should always delegate. And I think mm. you start to, um, to learn that you can't expect other people to be you, again, for better or worse, and you've got to start letting go. And once you kind of get your head around that, and then you can start delegating and then you start empowering people. And then you actually, you know, so some good about, but you see some people actually take that and do things you couldn't do, haven't thought of, and combinations of people working together, producing stuff which you could never have done on your own. You actually think about this, this is, this is, this is probably one of the most beautiful parts of being a business owner. And then you start getting more confidence and delegate a bit more, delegate a bit more. And you suddenly got, you've got a management team. And honestly, like, smiling because one of the, the things I love about the business now, especially probably post-pandemic, it's probably last couple of years been a change, is, is the team that we have and what they do. I sit in meetings just grinning or laughing to myself or just utter bewilderment. And we had a management meeting the day and they're all, you know, all different parts there talking about what they're doing in different areas. And I'm there just thinking, I remember being sat here with like <laughs> nothing at all on my own trying to do all this stuff. And these all amazing people, as passionate as I am, about doing the stuff and it's just like honestly my, my head could could could, could explode you have to pinch um, yourself yeah no absolutely and i kind of sometimes try to explain that to them and look at me like i'm just just crazy and actually funny enough i remember um my uh, head of technology uh, a guy called mark who, who i actually funny enough was an apprentice back at comcast the year after me and we've kind of known each other and he's now now head of head of tech for me amongst the stuff that he does he said to me once um listen you just come with the idea and let the fairies deal with it and they'll come back with a solution. And you know what? I kind of watched yeah. an insult at the time because he's what you're saying. I and if you're yeah. honest, I was trying to help with something, I'll make it more of a mess of it. Um, <laughs> and he was absolutely right. And it stuck with me because they are better than any of your stuff. It's my kind of job now to um, both Lacey and I to help drive a, a kind of strategy and vision of where we want to be in years' time. Yeah, and kind of, kind of help deliver this to the diff, you know, to the heads, uh, to to Jen, who's our brilliant CEO, and 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 then them to, to 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 actually deliver it. And I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, still stuff I need to step back from. Um, but it is, it is absolutely, you know, employing people's the hardest and be you know difficult time. But when you get it right, and you get the people in. Oh my god, it's it's just it's just the best thing ever. It sounds it sounds amazing, and you could just see from your face and hearing your voice, just that kind of um, how lit up by it you are. But do the, you know, you mentioned about there were there were times, and I, I hear this quite often, where you're worrying about wages being paid mm. and you feel that you, you've taken an idea that was a, a passion between you and your partner, Leslie, and then all of a sudden it grows and it grows and you have that weight of responsibility of not just the people that you're employing, but they have families and... Yeah. And, all of that, and all of that kind of stuff does that 
how does that not become something that weighs you down? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really valid point. Um, and the way it, the way I deal with that is actually by flipping it on its on it, on its end. So, um, and this is a lot of work we've done the last few years. About thinking about the, the business and the vision. And when I mean vision, of actually, you know, back from the day we started the company, but now what is the vision of the company? What what are we actually here for and doing mm. apart from, you know, I suppose earning a living and stuff. And for me, it's about creating opportunities. Um, and that's probably why I'm passionate about, you know, the, the, the W has talked about, what create opportunities for people. Now, I don't just mean opportunities by the, by the giving people, um, you know, a job and, uh, and necessarily a career path, but that is a very important thing. But I actually mean opportunities for them and their families as well. So if we can grow as a business, um, be resilient, be stable, scale up, we can uh, create more opportunities for their career within our operation, give them new skill sets, training, et cetera, expand that, remunerate them better enumerate them better, which means that they can enjoy more things, more, mm. more stability with the family. They can go on more holidays. They can enjoy more personal things and create maybe opportunities for, for their family and their children that maybe wouldn't have been there. So as much as it can be sort of a, a weight that, yes, you have got responsibility, actually we've also got the opportunity to make beautiful things happen for all yeah. these people. The bigger we mm. get, the more opportunities we can have. And, mm. you know, I'm a massive believer in, um, we don't know, you know, your kids, my kids, you know, the people who work for them. The kids could be the next people who are the yeah. present prime minister. They could chew cancer. They're the, the ones that go, yeah. how do we know what they could possibly do? And by giving opportunities and opening up by, by making a business that's um, profitable, scalable and resilient, it's doing that. I mean, if that's not a great legacy thing you know, to achieve, you know, I, I don't know what. But it's also yeah. opportunity as well. We, we want to create opportunities for our clients. We want to solve problems for them, which helps them go on and do, do the things and the targets they need to achieve and opportunities for our suppliers and partners as, as well, because as we get bigger, you know, when we partner with them and we've got contracts, it will hopefully uh, allow, allow them to grow. So, so that's the way I look at it. And then that probably helps because I think if you could be racked with, <clears throat> racked with worry, um, otherwise that there's so much on your shoulders. And don't get me wrong, you know, as I said, mm. in the pandemic, like everyone, we're like, what happens if everyone stops paying us? Mm. Like how long can we last? And everyone did this thing, you know, how long can you last with no cash flow? And, and, and there were some sort of dark times there. Um, but when those times happen, I kind of always go back to the logic of, um, I suppose, like spreadsheets and structure. We know we are, you know, business is a, is a profit and loss account. We know how much we need to make, we know what we're spending, we know we can cut if we need to, and we can keep the thing going as long as we are on the ball and react. Um, and um, we will do that because it's our baby and, and, and we're all passionate about it. Um, and I guess that's sometimes where you see big companies drift and fail because they probably lose their passion and don't focus and then all the, and then we kind of drive off the cliff because no one really been keeping a, a close eye on, on, on what's going on. Couldn't agree more. What, so when, so uh, above a garage, getting, getting friends in to, to help kind of give that um, the image of, a thriving business and then where where was it where did you go after the garage yeah i can't remember how long we were there now but then we got our own you know our first office um not just down the road and that was a big step you know family members like no 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 this is free <laughs> what are you doing that for and we were like no we want it we want we need to present ourselves correctly so you know we got a got a small office had about uh, about 10 desks maybe in it by then. Again, you started winning more contracts through all fantastic Yelp <laughs> with little square things, which is probably the size of a pretty, you know, a business card. Yeah. And, uh, and then won more contracts. And then I remember um, 
back in uh, 2010, actually 2010, well, 2009 it was, same year my daughter was born, she remember that. Um, we got the opportunity to present to a large London law firm. And these were the, I think the third largest in the world to do kind of switchboard and uh, back office services for them, and concierge services for them. And, um, you know, these guys turn up billions, it's ridiculous really. Uh, and we're still in this kind of our second office, really small office. And we went, we went down to there and, you know, Fleet Street, it's this, this amazing glass place, has all gym, dentists. It's like, oh, you know, what, what's going on here? How are, <laughs> are we, we possibly, how are we in this room? And we presented and we won the contract. And they came up to see us and it was like, it, that gave us a sense of, you yeah. know, we can yeah. we can yeah. do it. We can win contracts of this calibre yeah. um, or prestige. Yeah. Um, even then, then we can win anything. At the same time, we were still, you know, working with the co-op, and 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 we just kind of drove on from there, really, with our kind of confidence and ability, and and knew that we people bought into that. We were so passionate, and if they went with us, we really cared about every single call um, in and out that we made, and we. You know, you'll know yourself from the teams you've led. You don't always get it right. People make mistakes. Lots no. of people, technology, things things go wrong, right? So, mm. but when it goes wrong, that's what I always say. If it goes wrong, we will fix it. And if we and if, if we don't fix it, for instance, it won't be for lack of want or trying. Mm. And we'll give absolutely everything. We don't really care about the money or anything like that. We just want to know that we're providing the, the best service and you're not leaving us because the service is, is poor. So we'll always try our you know, damn hard to make sure that, that that's a thing um and yeah that, that was the same and then we went into a slightly bigger office and a, a, a bigger office there from, you know to, to where we are today as 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 things kind of grew um particularly in that engineering sector you know if you get trapped in a lift martin probably the chance that if you press that button if that ever happens to you you might come through to us because i think we've got uh, our biggest client portfolio with companies in the uk and uh well, lift dollars, so <laughs> I'm reassured by that. <laughs> I, I, I am reassured by that now. That's good to know. And I think something you said there just absolutely resonated was this. Um, if so, there's something in our industry, right, that I can remember running teams and in a weird kind of way, you look forward to when something goes wrong or if you get a complaint. I can remember uh, team leaders working for me saying, why do you get excited about us having to deal with a complaint or when something goes wrong because it's those are great opportunities to improve a process definitely improve the um the situation for the customer right uh, you know and to turn someone from a detractor into someone that loves you yeah. what better opportunity is there and it's, it's exactly what you said there things go wrong but they're great opportunities great I think, you know, you're exactly right with that. I kind of resonate with that. I guess Leslie, you know, would say the same because when your back's up against the wall and there's problems, you know, I think back in the day when we, you know, when we had a, um, a smaller phone system thing that would, the phone system would break, the power supply went off or something like that, the air conditioning stopped. They're the times that you come into your element and yeah. God, I love them times. I love it when you're dealing with something that's like everyone else stood there not knowing what to do. You go, right, this is what we're going to do. Let's go and do it. And you take, take in charge. Absolutely. You know, your adrenaline peaks. And it's fantastic. And you kind of, you know, you're having problems, you know, 
it's a month to month, whatever in the business, you have to deal with things and you have teams now will help that. But you still almost therefore create that sense of urgency by, by your business plan, your growth, right? We need to get to here now, almost like backs against the wall. You get your adrenaline, right? We're going to do it. We're going to smash it. We're going to get to this. We're going to grow. We know we need more I don't know, relevant department, IT people, developers, resource pipeline. We need these. We need them because it's probably like, let's get this sorted. We've got something to battle against. You constantly have, you work at that kind of level. But also, I think, like you said, even directly with clients, et cetera, when you've got problems, the opportunity to turn things around. And you know what? And not that you want this, but when you have turned it around, you build so much credibility and yeah. connection because they actually then know that when they've got a problem, because inevitably if they're, you know, they're senior manager anyway, they're going to stand as all those problems, they will know they can rely on you to work with them and commit to that to get it back around to where it where it should be and sometimes it's also just thinking about out the box and big big mm. gestures and things yeah you know, someone's got an issue you go in go actually what i'm going to do is you're thinking i'm going to do this i'm going to go and do that and they're just like wow like mm. you've totally blown my mind Let, let's work together and i think that kind of goes back to the um you know i mentioned at the beginning about just that passion for customer service um i always you know i kind of think back where i got that and i always think back in where, where I've traveled and I'd, I'd love traveling. Um, I traveled a lot, never traveled as a kid, never went past Scarborough, I've been to Scarborough, just doing that on the road. But I had a thing, my grandparents used to travel a lot and used to come back, work away, um, like a Saudi and things with oil and gas and come back with little trinkets and I'm looking and thinking, where do these things come from? Yeah. And just like blowing my mind and then I wanted to travel. So during my travels, travel a lot, got Asia, Africa, but even places like Disney World, and we're going to Disney World, walking down, you know, the the um, uh, the, the main walk at the beginning, and going to the shops, and it being like, how can these people be so happy? You walk in and make you feel yeah. like it's the best place on earth. Yeah. And then so coming out and thinking, actually, that's a process, isn't it? That's a process, training, it's process, it's people, it's technology, it's, and then I kind of break that down. I remember staying um, at a hotel called the Witchery in Edinburgh. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's just next to the castle. Tiny, tiny boutique hotel unbelievable we really? stayed there when we were quite young leslie and i and uh, um and the concierge there i remember the next night we were staying uh, we were leaving so next night um um angela and jolie and brad Pitt were staying and i remember the concierge guy was if you were here tomorrow i'm going to sit you next to them in the restaurant because he said his words and he went i don't care if you're the butcher the baker the candlestick maker everyone here film style gets trapped the same and that stuck in my head and that level considering we were kids, right? Yeah. It was all our money to go on a Valentine's night. I don't know what we could afford, but like that stuck in my head of that level, like this, like Disney World. I call it a Disney effect internally, but that level of yeah. customer service, can you make people smile? Yeah. <laughs> Emotional connection. And that's kind of what drove that passion, I suppose, that customer service side of things. I love that. I love that. I used to say, because I was an outsourcer, I used to say to my teams, we're entering uh, the opportunity to, create a memory this we're entering a memorable moment time whether that is a complaint whether that is a problem solved but we took so my oldest daughter's 24 we went to Disneyland and when she was tiny well a toddler and we were in a shop and she bought she was carrying some stuff and we gave her some money and said I'll go up to the go up to the you can take it up to the counter and the lady behind the counter said Oh, I she was talking about the dolls and stuff or whatever my daughter had and said, 
if I, I'm going to ask you uh, three questions. If you get two of them right, you can have all of this stuff for, for nothing. And um, they were very, very easy questions. <laughs> and because um, it was like, God, God, what you gets it wrong? <laughs> um, Pressure. Yeah. And um, that really intrigued me. And afterwards, I found out about like, you know, every employee has the opportunity to they give an agency to do something like that at least once a day yeah. because it is about creating that kind of an experience like look at me I'm talking about it now and it was yeah, yeah. nearly 20 years ago um, and that can be done in our industry all the time every yeah. every day so I absolutely love how how do you how do you share that across all your team now, that kind of the, the passion that you have for that customer service? Again, it kind of goes back to the values side of things and like people from, you know, day one to start. And even now, you know, from, as we're working on sort of interview plus things like that, need to know that I need to have that kind of passion for serving people. And that's what we're all doing, right? We're all just mm. all servants, really, at the end of the day. Um, and then building that in and, and just the way the teams communicate and focus, you know, everything to do when you walk around the business, you should feel that oozing out the walls um, that kind of caring. And, and a lot of it comes down to empathy um, mm. in, in my mind. And as you said, that, you know, that um, the lady who was serving your daughter, that how she connected and recognized possibly that moment where she yeah. could connect emotionally with your daughter and, and make a difference to her, to her and to you guys. She, Possibly remembers that and talks about it as well, right? She may even tell, you know, her kids and so forth in the future. And having the ability to, to empathize with people, properly empathize with people, not mm. just say it, mm. which a lot of people do, um, allow an understanding empathy. And we do empathy workshops within the business as well. It really gets down to what a difference you can make to people in every communication, every, every, every connection you have. Because you're quite right, you know, we, as a business, we serve, you know, I think we've got, it's about 130 contracts um, and a lot of engineering ones, as we talked about, um, IT, things are broken down, um, but care, funeral sector as well, um, but we're really big in. So you're getting calls from people in all different environments, different mm. uh, mindsets. And our job on there is, is to help them with that problem they have. And it doesn't even matter what that problem is. It might seem to be quite small. You know, someone who's passed away compared to a leak kind of is, seems seems the leak seems relevant almost, but it's not because that person's mm. in stress that yeah. point in time and they're feeling the same almost, almost sometimes actually more worked mm. up um, about that. It's helping them through it. And I always say as well, it's not about treating people how you want to be treated or how you expect to be treated. I always, I don't like that phrase. I think it's, to be honest, I think it's completely wrong. You don't know what the yeah. person expects yeah. on how they want to be spoken to, how they want to connect with, you know, what they're after. You need to listen the active listening and, 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 and try to understand them quickly, which is a skill in itself. Because otherwise, all you do is give them an autobiography of who you are. And that is <laughs> yeah. totally the wrong way, um, I think, to go around customer service and, and, and life in, in general, really. Mm. Um, and I think you build them connections. People really do appreciate it. We don't always get it right. You know, we do make mistakes. But again, you, don't, don't beat yourself up about that either. Your the the empathetic approach that you guys um, deliver helped you win something that I read about that was just fascinating to read, and it's um it's helped me, Angela. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Can you just talk about that because I thought that was such an interesting story. 
Yeah, um, so we work in um, with Help Me Angela now and it's um, a personal safety application. Um, and so essentially what we're doing is the apps out there which you, you can download and it allows you to request help um, at a time of need, but also if you wish to find time to be, to be, to be tracked, so to speak, or followed as, as, the, as the concierge app might allow. So we could be there with that person as they're going from A to B. And for me, um, it's all about... It's all about prevention. Um, you know, much rather prevent crime than be a victim of it. Because you know, the colleagues that help me answer, and they can talk, you know, really well about sort of being ex-police officers as well about the victims of crime. And it's always like, oh, you know, why? You know, you thought you were being followed, or you thought you were in a situation. Why didn't you ring the? You know, why didn't you ring the police at point in time? Robbie, mate, we don't do it because mm. you don't want to feel you're wasting someone's time. Yeah, you feel daft, but unfortunately. It's then too late, then you're a victim, then the police are involved. And ultimately, the police, are, all they're really doing is generally is reacting to crime, you know, mm. doing a, a very good job of it. So the idea of having this, this app out there is really to help people um, in that position, to give them that comfort, support and guidance um, when they need to. So they can be on, on the app, they can, they can click the button and get an immediate callback from one of our team who are now trained as personal safety specialists who can guide them, reassure them, tell them what to do, help them get out of the situation, if they need them, support them. And I kind of think in my head, I don't know if you've ever done this, but um, with friends and family, but often, you know, if your partner's out or, or your daughter or whoever, you might say, right, when you get home or you get here or there, you know, give me a call or ring me when you get a taxi or I'll do that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And that's what this application is allowing, allowing mm -hmm. people to do now. But rather than bothering someone, they might feel awkward. Or if people don't have someone, right? Um, this application is there and it gives them that kind of angel on their shoulder to, to, to look out for them. And I just think, you know, we're so fortunate to, you know, have, have, have been working and help manage the team because not only is it a brilliant contract for us as, as a business, but, but to be doing something actually is also brilliant for the general population. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't ask for more. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fabulous, it's a fabulous application, a fabulous advice and a fabulous service. You and the team are doing doing great work there. I doff my cap to you guys because I think when you hear some of the horrible things that have um, happened, and it's not just the ones that get in the news, unfortunately, mm. there's things happening to, uh, let's say, hyper mass mainly women across the across the country out on nights, and even if things haven't happened, no one should go about their their enjoying time. You know, walking about. No one should be fearful of their safety just because they're a woman walking around and um to be able to try and counter that i think yeah. is just is a, is amazing and it's great that you guys are doing it and you, you mentioned there that the team are all specially trained right what what does that look like well the um the trainer sarah helped me on just she came in and worked with the team over a number of weeks um who are now personal safety specialists and and, and her CV and her background is, is absolutely fabulous. You know, working through the police force and 999 control rooms, becoming a trainer for 999 control rooms, then working with the home office. She's trained abroad for emergency response, places like Saudi, et cetera. You know, her CV is pretty fascinating to talk to. So she came in and trained um, our team um, on the same lines as the 999 operators as well. And as she might say, to a slightly higher level. Um, and the training was just, just intense. Um, mm. watching the guys in there, they were so engaged. And some of the um, kind of the case studies and role plays they were doing, 
we needed someone to call the police because you know, Sarah was running, out, running around outside screaming. It kind of got <laughs> to that kind of level. But, what's going yeah. on? but, but we want, needed to put those operators into a stress situation of kind of what the worst case scenario would be. Um, you know, touch wood, they will never have to face yeah. that, but they need to go into, if it does happen, automatic mode of what, what the process is, is to follow. You know, and, and they, they you know, it's, it's a fantastic you know, contract to work on um, as an operator or, or, or a team manager because you're just helping people. Yeah. You know, you're just helping it. What's, what's more, someone's a little, someone's scared, you help them get from A to B. And it's not just, it's not just women, um, obviously, by the way, you know, it, it's yeah. as well. You know, I kind of mentioned yeah. before, I, I'm, I'm six foot six, but you have been out, I've been out in a situation, especially these days, you don't know what you're walking into. And sometimes you're just having that someone on a phone or having something in your hand where you can easily speak down you know, let's be honest, would, would, would help us as well. And, and that's not to think, I'm not, I'm not saying that society's got worse or anything like that over the decades, you know, statistically actually it's the safest time ever to live, you know, back in the dark ages. Where yeah. So statistically it's a great time to live. This is just a technology aid, no different to help prevention of crime, I suppose, no different to how you might look of having a burglar alarm or locking your door, yeah. helping you stay safe. Um, but I think it's just prevalent right now because obviously, as you said, there's been a lot in the press I think, I think so. you make you, you make a really good point about it not just being women because I think just the option to be able to be on your phone mm-hmm. as well because that diffuses a lot of situations doesn't it you yeah. see someone talking on their phone that 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 is a there's a safety element to that right away so yes, right. Yeah. um yeah being conscious of potentially as a man being in a situation where things get a bit dangerous being on your phone must be a real comfort and knowing that it's a service where you're not going to feel embarrassed or you know we like you said earlier nobody we don't want to be a fuss we don't want to bother our friends and relatives um which is insane really when you think about it but i think it's great what you guys are doing and it's been fascinating and actually inspirational to kind of um hear your story hear about your values i just want to end with um what excites you about the future for for lemon and also for, for yourself what are you because you've definitely got a growth mindset right you're yeah you're constantly learning and finding new things out but when you look ahead especially after the last two years we've had um what excites you the most um you're right you know a few years back probably just before the pandemic i, I kind of really someone told me you can spend your evenings with the most intelligent inspiring people in the world in these days with technology you can go on podcasts you can read books you can listen to books the best people in the world and the best professions everyone you can just access and spend all your night with them and that kind of like woke me up to almost i suppose personal development i guess mm. one of the better way and, and since then you know i devour books especially on business um be it sort of biographies like i mentioned earlier on you know like like, like shoot up for nike and also business books like um good to great and, and, and all the kind of um, ones that you'd expect devour them, especially since I found Audible because I walk the dog and just listen. Yeah, yeah. Listen and listen all the time. I absolutely love it. So, and, I, and, and that's, again, on reflection, I was speaking to, to, to Jen LC the other, the other week about this, we just love business. You know, you know, people want to be footballers. I was, I was mentioned earlier on, I was no goes, you know, or, or a rock star, whatever. I just kind of go back to the story. I just wanted to own a business like Leslie did and that's when we got together. So, I love learning about business. I love reading these stories and things. So applying all my kind of learnings now back into the business 
um, and helping us become a better business, helping us grow, and therefore helping us create opportunities for our team, um, our clients we work with, our suppliers, and seeing that there's almost no, um, no boundary to that, really, mm. uh, I think has really kind of inspired me. And I think what we see today, you know, we want to be one of the, the, the biggest and best in the industry and in, in our sectors. Um, and, you know, that is, you know, working with engineering companies, working with tech companies, working in the care sector. We want to be the best in the world um, at, at that and continue our passion and continue to find that really high level of customer service. And that's where, you know, we've got a plan to get to. And I've absolutely no doubt by delivering that plan, you know, to move a mountain, you start with the first stone, you know, we will we'll get there over time. And hopefully it'd be nice to, to inspire others who are kind of at the beginning of that journey and not knowing, you know, a Scooby, what they actually want to do. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not necessarily, not necessarily having any experience in, in, in the industry. It, not always necessarily you can learn. I, I can just a very quick story. I can remember sitting in, um, meetings with sort of senior management of, of, of the large businesses, you know, very experienced, like yourself, very experienced contact center people talking about stuff. I'm thinking, Jesus, I'm winging this here. <laughs> but then you thought, I'm going to learn that. I'll come out, I'll Google, yeah. I'll learn that. I'll Google. And, and suddenly, you know, over time, you, you, you realize, yeah, you, you can learn stuff and you, you can be good and you can, can move on. And, and um, there's no boundaries to your goals. I love it. I love it. Because like you, I sat in so many meetings thinking I never want to be in a meeting and not know what AHT means. So I'm going to go out and read about it straight after this meeting. So uh, Martin, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting to you. It's been, you. it's been great. And um, hopefully we can chat again or even come and see the team. I would love yeah. to love to find out and spend a bit more time with you guys, but thanks very much for coming on. You're always welcome. Man. Thank you for the opportunity to be on as well. Thank you. Oh,